Hi Carl, how are you? I was then they travel to Belgium. <laughs> That's the first clear thing that's come through your mic in the last minute and a half. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Travel to Belgium. <laughs> what are you doing with Nate's throne? Uh, if he's sitting on that, I'm worried. Welcome to Five Guys and the Bible, a weekly podcast where five guys from around the country dig deep into the scriptures and talk about how it relates to life. Thanks for listening, and always be blessed. So Job 2, 11 through 13. Now when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all of this adversity that had happened to him. Each of them came from his home. They met together to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they looked from a distance, they could barely recognize him. They wept aloud, and each man tore his robe and threw dust into the air and on his head. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, but no one spoke a word to him because they saw that his suffering was very intense. Lord Jesus, at this time, Lord, I just ask that uh, you increase and we decrease. Uh, Lord, as we uh, come for this together, this podcast, I ask that you lift up our listeners, lift up every single one of us, Lord, and just guide this conversation. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you just, there's many people hurting, there's many people who are going through a season like Job. And they, it's a message uh, maybe they need to hear. And maybe we need to hear because we all have friends, we all have families who are going through a season, Lord, and we need to know how to act appropriately. And these things that do ask in your name, Lord, and amen. So, as Christians, we call ourselves a brotherhood. So, I would say, do we truly know how to act in a time of crisis for our fellow brothers. And uh, these verses are awesome because in the grand scheme of things, Job's three friends were horrible, right? That's not who we need to follow. But here in these verses, they did everything right. Uh, we talked about it last night, and so for the listeners, right, uh, over the summer, uh, my dad had a huge tumor on his pancreas, his cancerous. Um, the, which kind of shook our world, uh, and, uh, you know, he had some adverse reactions to this is before any treatment that he wasn't doing well and all these other things. And uh, they tried to do surgery, surgery didn't work and it was complications, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And it just seemed like one thing right after another. Well, uh, chemo, my dad went through chemo uh, and it did not kill the cancer. In fact, the tumor grew. But my dad did very well. Uh, he uh, took it like a champ. 
while that was going on, my mother-in-law, for the fourth time, her B-cell lymphoma came back. And this one's been one of the worst ones. So she's been fighting that, going through that. Uh, now my dad is getting ready to finish radiation treatment that they started. So they did radiation and chemo. Uh, find out next week how that's going to work. Uh, in the middle of all this too, my cousin's wife, breast cancer. Uh, but last night, or actually the last couple of weeks, uh, my mother-in-law, it's been one thing right after another. And it's been really bad. And she had a horrible reaction to the chemo yesterday, um, lost functionality in her legs, spent a lot of time in the ER, the hospital, came home and needed help getting into the house. And my father-in-law couldn't do it. So they had to get the neighbors to help. And my father-in-law has started to feel, uh, you know, the devil's really been attacking him about uh, being useless, um, you know, just feeling like he can't support or help, which we know is are all lies. So this goes with, say all that, in Job, we see here, how do we help, right? You see people that are in this situation. Like, I have no clue other than prayer how to help out my in-laws, right? other than prayers and try to find a way to get my wife up there so she can spend time with them and maybe be an extra set of hands. Right. Um, outside of that, what do we do? And last night at church, my pastor talked about the ministry of presence and how we as Christians sometimes need to do absolutely nothing but just be there and so he said the three friends did the right things they stopped everything and they went so they stopped what they were doing they came together and then they went uh, they were very intentional they offered sympathy and they offered comfort they identified with the sufferer. We see that with the tearing of the robes, right? We don't do that nowadays, right? But back then, so they placed themselves in his shoes. Um, you know, they sat and they waited. They said for seven days, they sat and they waited. And they went to him. So they went and they found him in a garbage dump where he was, right? And he had the boils and he had everything. They didn't say, let's go to, over here to this nice place. No, 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 no. They sat there in the middle of the whole mess, tore their robes, put dirt on their heads, did all this thing for morning, and sat and waited and said absolutely nothing for seven days. Yeah, look how different that is from society today. Today, yeah. Everybody wants to be the first one to say something, you know, yeah, I I like the whole the the sympathize with him and comfort him, and you know then they they saw him at a distance, and they did their 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 mourning process, which is the rending of the clothes right. and the ashes over. 
you know, they mourned him from a distance and then they can't. So they did all of that. They got all of their own personal rituals, you know, how they dealt with it first. Then they came to him and they just sat there and they empathized with him without feeling the need to comfort. So often when people go through difficult times, you know, I know that this is different, but serious mental, serious, you know, something medical, physical, you know, that's, you know, on life altering. The worst thing to hear is, I'm so sorry. That, you know, or trying to comfort with words that don't have any empathy, you know. Uh, you know, we talk about the acronym THINK, what, you know, think before you speak, you know, is it truthful, helpful, you know, that, you know, that acronym, and sometimes the helpful is the one that we want to be, more so than the, you know, is it important enough to be said, you know, does, I don't know, I, I think I'm messing it up, but how you know you want uh you just want somebody to understand and to be there a shoulder to cry on that's it a shoulder to cry on you just want a shoulder to cry on or somebody to lean on so that you don't have to be that strength and you don't have to be you know and at the same time you understand when you go through life altering experiences, the threat of death, stuff like that, is that you have people who are entirely well-meaning, but have no understanding of the situation, the pain that you're in, you know, the fear that you have. And with all of those emotions, you still have to be a functioning member of society, especially if you have family, you know, you have to take care of family, you have to do that kind of stuff. And you don't want somebody, oh, I'm so sorry, give me a hug. You want somebody to go. We just need to be quiet. Yeah. We do, somebody, like, sometimes the best thing is to walk in to the mess. You just say, tell me what happened. And then just listen, right? Or just sit there in silence, right? Like we have to listen to what they're saying. Listen, right? Don't explain anything. Don't try to explain. Just listen. Just be that sounding board, right? Just have someone. Uh, suspend all judgment, right? So who don't, right? Like, right. And, you know, if we study Job, they <laughs> that's where they screwed up, right? Uh, yeah, they tried to assign blame. Or yeah, try to assign blame. Man, or, understand the, or understand the sovereignty of God. Yeah. You know, there's a plan for this. We may not know what it is. And I think that's important in the end of Job is that Job never understands why what why? happened to him happens. Nope. He just knows that okay my job is to love the lord and to be faithful to the lord and what happens happens and 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 that's why job is a hero is because even though he doesn't understand what happens he's you know he's he's faithful all the way through it i like pastor talked about how uh, a time when uh uh he was talking about well his father was at a house and there was a big morning and he said when they went there, there's this elderly lady and all she did was she 
she swept the floor, she made coffee, she washed the dishes, she did some things, and then he saw her outside just sweeping the porch. Like, she didn't say a word, but she took care of all of these small needs so the person didn't have to deal with them. And that is, sometimes that's what we need to do, look for needs to met, right? Like, buy a meal. Like, I so my good friend, his wife uh, went through thyroid cancer, and she had an operation. Um, he's in Oklahoma. He's one of the people who I consider one of my six, right? And uh, I, uh, I can't, couldn't be there, but I ordered meals and I sent it to his house, right? There was a need to be met and pray. And I, this is what I loved and I, because I've been in the situation where I've been in a situation that I'm going to tell you when the things happen with my dad and I found that even though prayer should be the first thing that crosses my mind at that moment, it was tough for me to pray. Right. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. But instead I knew that people were praying and enter doing lifting me up, my dad up and inter doing intercessory prayer for me and that's what sometimes we need to do you walk in you don't ask them do you want to pray let's pray no 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 no. you sit in silence and then you pray and you lift your brother up or your sister or whoever it is you lift them up and you pray for them and you bring their burdens to the lord for them because they might be in a situation where you can't pray last night right so like my wife woke me up at um like she was dealing with a lot of, I didn't know, really know. I went to bed a little early and she woke me up at like midnight. And uh, like, I just held her because she was just distraught. And I just prayed. I didn't ask my wife to join in on the prayer. Right. I just held her because she's dealing with the fact of, you know, she just feels so bad because everything that's been going on and she hasn't, been able to go up there to help out and so like I was tending to her and just holding her and just praying was exactly what she needed and eventually she just started talking and so we just stayed and she talked and I just held her until she was just like all right I, I think I can go to bed now I was like all right let's go to bed right and it's just I think of times like do I do that Right, like, like, do we need to do more of this? I think, and I, I mean, I love how we have our Marco groups and we have different things. You know, we have the dark horse and we have the cool things, and you know, we do lift each other up with prayers and we do things. But uh, do we sit in silence and do what we need to do enough? I don't know. That's just kind of the topic I just really want to talk about. Like, like, or what other verses? Like, what else are we supposed to do? Galatians 6.20 comes to my mind, right? Um, uh, uh, I don't want to butcher it. So let me, uh, I got my Bible right here. Uh, No, I get it. I think there are some people, you know, specifically in our 
in our uh, Marco group that um, really, we may not see them a lot, but we know yeah. that they're praying. Like sometimes when there's a prayer request that comes up, I don't go on because a lot of people have already said, you know, the condolences. And I know from experience that sometimes there's a certain amount of condolences that, you know, you expect and then you're done with that part and you need, you need people in prayer more than I'm praying for you, bro. You know, yeah. I, I know how you feel and do you really? I mean, yeah. every Galatians 6 2, not 6 20. All right. Yeah, carry one another's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So, how can we carry one another's burdens, right? I, I, because I want to say the response that I got from a lot of you guys when I posted, I didn't do it at midnight, right? I did it. I got some sleep. I got up, and I, and I let you guys know what was going on, and I had it was awesome response. And I'm gonna tell you, I sent a lot of those prayers. To, you guys looked it up, and I. Um, shared them with my wife's family, right? And that was right. very, very well needed. Um, I got your text, John. Uh, John saying Ecclesiastes 3, 7. Uh, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Yes, that is right. There is a time to speak and a time to be silent. And I want to say when we're trying to lift each other's burdens, take each other's burdens, silence uh, is sometimes silence. Is, we always say silence is golden. But I just that's kind of the topic I just wanted to explore because all of us have been through some crap, right? Uh Lately, you know, I have, we have friends in the micro group who have been going through some stuff, but all of us have, and I just kind of just, what have you guys done? What verses has helped you out when you've gone through a Job season per se, or what have other people done? Like um, our good friend, Brian Mills said, reached out to me. And uh, he asked for my, my in-laws uh, address because he wanted to send them something like a letter of support. And that's awesome. Right. So I'm calling you out, Brian. I know you hear this. Good job. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's kind of, so I'm going to kind of leave, leave it open. It's just, that's just where, I was going to go a completely different way, but with everything, this is where I'm at right now. And this is what I wanted to talk about because like today was a very, very rough day. Uh, just the sleep, dealing with it, all the stuff I had to deal with at work. I had to deal with mortgage companies again because they're stupid and they suck. And um, I wanted to... I wanted to lose my patience. I wanted to bite people's heads off. I wanted to do all these things, but uh, I honestly think because 
of how people interceded in prayer. Because I just, a couple of times today when I was getting ready to fly off the handle, this overwhelming peace came over me and just said, just calm down, Carl, calm down. And I don't know if that would have been there, if it wouldn't have been for the way people interceded. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. You had an extra measure of grace poured upon you today because your brother stood, you know, at, in prayer and interceded on your behalf. So, and I get it. I mean, there are times where, you know, you just, you, I don't know how to say this without it sounding weird, is that I can not tell, but you feel a weight lifted off of you when you know that there are a large number of people who have lifted you up in prayer. You know, you can physically feel mm -hmm. that weight lifted from you. And it's amazing that just knowing that there are people lifting you up in prayer takes up. And now I know some of it is psychological, like, you know, that people care and it's easier to bear that burden. But I think some of it is, you know, it's kind of, you know, God's way or the Holy Spirit's way of telling you that there are people who are lifting you up in prayer and the Father is reassuring you or the Spirit is reassuring you that he's listening. You know, I know that sounds weird, but, <laughs> but like there were, there were times, you know, that it was just, you know, there was a, a two year period where I lost 32 people in two years and it was all clustered, you know, together. Like it was, you know, my father-in-law had some friends who committed suicide. My grandfather, my, uh, you know, my sister's mother. And it got to the point where it was just, I got tired of hearing, I'm so sorry for your loss. Or if there's anything you need, or, you know, that kind of stuff. It was just, I was so inundated with death and disease and bad news that I didn't know how to cope. I had some guy who, because I wasn't living in Jasper at the time, I had some guy who came and he mowed my lawn and he came over and he worked on my yard. He didn't say anything. He just came and did what mm -hmm. I could not do because... You know, it was just everything, one after the other. It just felt like I was getting punched consistently. And it just, because when I went through my, you know, when I went through my season of you're going to die, I wasn't a Christian at the time. So I, you know, I just wanted people to leave me alone. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any comfort. I just like, well, okay, you know, <laughs> but I can't imagine how different that experience would have been if I had somebody, you know, a shoulder to just cry on and just, you know, be there. Like you said at the beginning of the podcast, just that 
physical presence of being there, knowing that somebody's got your back is extremely empowering in and of itself. So the guy that came over and did all those things, uh, so you weren't a Christian at the time. Do you know if he was a Christian? I have no idea. <laughs> I wonder if he was. Imagine, just, so just think about it. That still impacts you to this day. Oh, yeah. Uh, Powerful you know, that was, right? And he didn't say a word. Nope. Never once spoke to me, and didn't. I didn't know who he was. He didn't, you know, he just came and, you know, for all, you know, and, and this is terrible, but, you know, at the time I thought the guy just doesn't want my yard because I live in the same area he does to lower the property value. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he here and came and did all of that stuff. And, you know, it was amazing to me that somebody would come and do it. And, yeah, it, it affects me to this day. I mean. There are points in my life where even though I wasn't a Christian, I could directly see how God impacted that moment. You know, Nate calls them God moments or God winks, yeah. and, you know, where you can see the, you know, where God has reached in and has changed your life without you even knowing it. Like the time I met an angel and, and uh, it had forever impacted my life. You know, and at the time I didn't know it was. It wasn't until, you know, I knew that God cared about evil sinners like me. So. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, you guys, um, I, I, I've been normally, I, I've been quiet, uh, a lot quieter than normal. <laughs> um, no, uh, one of the things that um, I learned as it was kind of a punishment uh, back when I was in junior high, you know, we'd either have to write sentences or, or we'd have to do um, something else. Well, there was this kind of a small poem that we would have to write like a hundred times. <laughs> and believe me, my, my arms cramp every time I think about the words to this poem, but it kind of drives home the fact that sometimes when people are going through hell, all they need you to do is shut up and listen. And it goes something like this. A wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that bird? And I think that a lot of things that we miss at times is because as, as humans, we're driven to always have to have something to say, even if it's like, um, you know, the old cliche um, saying that Arthur got totally sick of, you know, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, you know, a lot of times, and this was evident in Job's life, you know, um, he was distraught. He was, he was beside himself because he lost pretty much everything. And when he lost everything and you got, you know, you got to some of your, some of your closest friends saying, Oh, you know, it, yeah, um, you know, it's going to be all right. Or even worse, you know, 
when his wife finally had enough of it, why don't you just curse God and die? You know, it's, 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 it's a thing where people always have to have something to say in the situation. Um, and they think they're making it better, but they're not. Um, they're making it worse. Um, you know, last, last season on the podcast, I shared with you guys that I was 16 years old when my brother got in a car wreck and, you know, he, he, he passed away and, you know, I went through some of the same, same stuff, you know, always hearing, um, you know, always hearing, Oh, you know, we're sorry for your loss. And okay. I, I understand you're trying to make, you know, you're trying to make me feel better. You're trying to, you, you're trying to voice solidarity, but that's not what I needed. What I needed was people to be there just like you, like, like you said, Carl, um, practicing the presence without the, without anything else, just being present and letting me, you know, just letting me know with your physical presence that you're there and you're, you know, you're a shoulder to cry on. You're, you're a, you're a, a pole to lean against when I need that. I, I could care less, you know, and this is going to sound callous, but you guys know I'm aggressive anyway. I could care less if you're sorry for my loss. I don't want to think about it. What I would much rather think about is, hey, man, I've got somebody here that's going to walk with me through this. So, you know, and so, you know, I, I just think that, you know, there are times where, you know, even, even between the five of us that are involved in five guys in the Bible, you know, sometimes there's just that, that, you know, just reach out, let me know that you're praying for me, that you're lifting me up. You don't have to know the details. You don't have to know what I'm going through. You don't have to know what's going on. It's just nice to know that somebody is there standing with me, um, standing by me, standing behind me to catch me when I fall back um, and things like that. So that's, I mean, yeah, anyway, there's, there's my aggressiveness for tonight. No, you're right. So when I first got the news about dad, so I was at work, mom called and she told me because so this was when they did the surgery and they found there's a second one and it was cancerous and like all this stuff and they didn't know what I was going to do. And I had just like, I was like, Oh, and I was just like, oh, I was just like, man, I gotta find someone at work because I like I need to leave work right now. Like I can't work. And I remember I found the first person, and they were like, oh, bro, things would be okay. And I really wanted to punch him. Right? That's not what I wanted to hear. Like, like it was just like, hey, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Can you cover me for the rest of the day? Yes or no? Like, don't tell me it's okay. And I went to church and I called one of the pastors and I just remembered there was a good five minutes and there was nothing. And I finally just looked at him and I said, bro, I was like, Tim, this sucks. Like this royally 
sucks. And he decided to say, yes, it does. Yes, it does. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. He didn't try to make me feel better. He was just like, yes, this does suck. And just let me just after the silence, just go and just, you know, everything. Right. Um, and that's what we need. You, you're right. Like we don't, sometimes the worst thing is to tell someone and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, things, things will be better. You know, we'll pray. Things will be better. Yes. Through prayer, maybe things will be better, but at that moment, that's not what the person going through really needs to hear. Sometimes they just need to hear, tell me what happened. I'm here in your mess, right? I'm here. Let me be messy with you. Tell me what happened and just acknowledge. Yes. Yes. Losing someone or thinking you're going to lose someone sucks. Uh, you know, that day, the two most powerful things I, I heard was, yes, Carl, it sucks. And then, uh, I was talking to Sharon and I was like, I don't even know what to pray for right now. And all she said was pray to the mountain. And I love that she uses that phrase, pray to the mountain. Like just let the words come out, just pray to the mountain. And that was it. She did. And those two situations helped me at that moment to get through. You know, I even think about, uh, I don't know if I want to really want to go there right now, but, uh, you know, when I was younger, I went through PTSD and I went through a very, very crazy time in my life. Um, so bad. I actually had, uh, uh, almost like hallucination visions. And so if I had it, uh, so if we were all together and I would have one of these episodes, uh, you guys wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be Arthur, John, Danny, and Eric. It would be, uh, one of you would be the guy that had the gun that was pointing at me. One of you would have been the other people. Around. So you see what I mean? Like you wouldn't be, that's, that's what it was. It's very visual. Uh, the only thing that got me out of that when I had those episodes was just, somebody being there and holding me that's it that presence don't talk to me because i'm not going to hear you the only person that fully got that was my cousin lisa um and uh she would just be there and hold me and i would come out of it um and uh you know, so there's just a lot of power in that ministry of presence. I know you're there, right? I can feel you. I can sense you. I, I can see you. I don't need to hear you. Uh, and then I like the, the silent prayers. Um, my parents and I never really talked about my PTSD and the things that led up to it and what caused it. I didn't want to talk to them about it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know how to talk to them about it. That's one thing. Uh, but I remember being in my parents' house 
Uh, I was helping him move some stuff. And my mom's prayer journal fell out of a box and opened up. And I started reading it. And I saw, and it opened up to the time when I was really, really bad through my PTSD every single day. There was this prayer for me because she knew I was suffering, right? She didn't have to tell me she was praying. She didn't have to do it, but it was just so powerful. And granted, I was already kind of healed, but it was like God just showed me that your parents were there with you the whole time. And they were, in, they were interceding for you because I did not want to pray during that whole time, right? I hated God. But my connection to God was kept strong because of my parents, specifically my mom. And that is something that I believe we as Christians need to do more of. There's a difference to say, I'm going to pray for you than to actually get down on your knees and intercede for them to take their name, their burdens, take them up and lay them at the cross for them and say, God, this is my brother, this is my sister, this is whoever. This is their burdens. I'm interceding for them at this moment. I think as Christians, that's what we need to do more of. I don't think we do it enough. I think we're scared. I don't know. What do you guys say? Do you think we're scared to do that? I think we're untrained. I think yeah. that we, we fall into that American Christian type of prayer where it's dear heavenly father bless this food amen and that's it and there's no thought there's no feeling there's no leading by the holy spirit so that when something seriously happens we don't know how to approach the father at all in prayer for something serious because we have unlearned what we learned or we were never taught how to pray biblically like david prayed you know like you know yeah. just and i have my my sister who will probably hear this podcast will have is v way more emotional than i am and she does not under she she's way way more emotional than me and I told her that if you don't know how to pray, and I do this with my son too, if you don't know how to pray to God, just imagine yourself going to sit in the lap and cuddle in the lap of the Father and just cry. Because He already knows. He just wants us to come into that presence and just pour out what is has brought us to him not that he doesn't already know but has brought it to us that we can just go and emotionally 
regurgitate everything that has bothered us because he wants that relationship. He wants that closeness, but we don't pray like that because, you know, the most fervent prayers of most Christians is when they have a diagnosis or they have bad news and then their prayer life steps up a notch, but it's not as powerful as it could be because they want to censor it or interpret it or, you know, they just, like when there is, I have a process before I start to do intercessory prayer and I will listen to the Marco group. I'll go through the Facebook pages and I'll write it in a journal and I will pray. I will go into my prayer room and I will grab my prayer cloth and I will go and I will pray over that entire list of people for them and then I will text the intercessory prayer team at our church or I will our church has this board that recreates the wailing wall in Israel where they had the little mm -hmm. hole and put the and I'll write all of the prayer requests sometimes just general because there's you know the walls only so big you know uh, you know pray for the Sulkan brothers, pray for, you know, pray for all of these different things. And I will put them in there because I know that I cannot be in prayer constantly, but 300 people praying over that wall at different times is powerful. And it's continual intercessory prayer that I think is what, the church and the country are missing is they don't they haven't learned how to pray effectively and with passion you know we don't a lot of times we don't pray with passion we you know when i started Solcon, i still hadn't gotten my prayer life down and it was the lord's prayer and that's all i did was the Lord's Prayer, because that's the only prayer I knew. I didn't know that it was a conversation, a reality to talk to the, you know, to have access to the creator of the universe was something that you mentally cannot wrap your head around unless you have experienced that love, unless you have experienced, you know, that power, that type of power, and you have learned to pray like that. So... I don't think that, you know, to go back to your question off of my wild tangent, I don't think we're <laughs> trained. I don't think we're trained or have learned how to pray with our hearts. We want to pray with our minds. I have a checklist, you know, and, and if you look, there's acronyms. There's the pray acronym, the acts acronym, you know, how you're supposed to pray, you know, follow the pattern of, uh, the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't have to be the Lord's Prayer specifically, but you pray, you know, there there's certain steps that you go through. And there's all these different acronyms to try to help us pray when all God really wants is a conversation and a relationship. And we don't yep. know how to make that because we don't know how to pray that. Look at some of the most powerful prayers in the Bible are short. For example, Elijah. I love this one, right? You would think he would have like if you hear about Elijah when he's bringing down the altar and the fire, right? 
you think it's going to be some elaborate, long, drawn-out prayer? No. It's pretty short, right? It is, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known that this day you are God in Israel. I am your servant. I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. It is short to the point, right? It is, he acknowledges who God is. He acknowledges who he is. He's his servant. And that anything that's going to happen after this is all God. And it's short. And I think, yes, uh, I, there might be a time for a long prayer. Um, but sometimes short conversation prayers is what we need. Like, God, this sucks. Help me. With me, I read a book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And it's probably on audiobook, it's probably two hours and 15 minutes long. And all it is is this old, you know, 12th century, 13th, whatever, century monk. And people wrote letters and took his letters about how he explained how he stayed in the presence of the Lord continuously or as much as he can. And if he got out of that mind, you know, when he was washing the dishes and, and none of the prayers are super long or lengthy. None of the descriptions is all, Lord, I'm cleaning the dishes, you know, give me the strength, you know, okay, done. And then he'd go on to his next, next task and he would do that. And it was just being mindful of being in the presence of the Lord and having small conversations. Oh, I'm really struggling with this right now. Or, you know, Lord, I had this thought, would you, I mean, my favorite is Psalms 117. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's quick. It's the shortest, you know, chapter in the Bible, it, you know, one and done. And it's powerful. So, yeah, I, I think sometimes we talk too much because we think that God is a genie. You know, if I, if I phrase my prayer read wish you know properly god will give it to me or i'll remind god of something that he said in the bible that he took out of context and if i say it right and you know it's just i just sometimes i think we pray because we're told that we need to pray but we don't understand why we pray yeah. well one of the things that that i that i would I would add to what you were saying is yes, we forget that. I don't think that we've had a relationship modeled like the relationship that God really desires from us. You know, we can sit there all day long and say, Oh, you know, it's just like God is your father. And, you know, some people have had really crappy relationships with their dads. And so they're just like, yeah, okay. Or, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's a training issue. Um, a lot of times when people pray, they pray to hear themselves talk. I see that a lot. Um, 
all these long winded prayers that, you know, really, and in the new Testament, you know, do you think that these guys are going to be heard just because they're long winded prayers? Well, we're that those are communal prayers. I think prayers of mourning should be done, you know, or prayers, you know, intercessory prayers should be done quietly in secret. You know, that because what was it in the New Testament where the guy goes, Oh dear Lord, don't let me be like this person and the tax collector can't even raise his head speaks quietly and he's the one who leaves justified because his prayer was simple to the point and he understood who he was and he wasn't trying to do a communal prayer he was you know the other guy was doing a communal prayer even though it was supposed to be a personal one and i just i think with communal prayer i think the rules are different i mean they're not different, but, you know, there are people who believe that you're supposed to pray in a certain way. Like, you need to make sure you check boxes A, B, C, you know, one through six in a prayer before you let it go to somebody else. But I just, I think personal prayers should be done in secret. It's just my belief. Prayer, prayer. It, I mean, and I've I've seen this happen before too. Um, people decide that they, you know, to pray and they think to be effective, it needs to be um, the the King James version of prayer. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord God, for Thou art so holy and magnanimous. We humbly come before Thee in Thy presence in the throne room of grace that Thou hast bestowed upon us by sending thy son jesus uh, you, you know that i mean that kind of goes a little over the top and i i, I think that the thing that people don't realize is that prayer is nothing more than a conversation between you and god and you know i'm not i'm not bashing communal prayer don't get me wrong i'm not bashing um you know, the public prayer, that, that's not the case, but it's just simple. And Carl, I think you said it the best, you know, sometimes all you can get out is God, this sucks dirt, yeah. you know, and, and that is real. That is raw. That is what God wants. He wants the real, he wants the raw. He doesn't want the flowery, um, big $20 college words. He just wants to hear your heart. And if your heart is hurting or if you're mad, I mean, you know, I, I was talking about uh, when, um, when I found out that my older brother had been in a wreck. I went outside, you know, my parents were making plans and all this stuff to go up to the hospital and everything. And all I could do is go out to the, by the side of the house and say, I didn't say, God, this sucks. I literally said, God, 
I don't understand this. This pisses me off because how could somebody who, you know, how could this happen to somebody who's got their whole life ahead of them and it's just like in an instant is ripped away? God, I'm hurt. And I'll admit I was, I was kind of angry with God at that point. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where I got real, I got raw. And a lot of people said I got too raw because you're not supposed to talk to God like that. And I'm just like, you know, David got real and raw too. And sometimes if you look at, you know, what he actually said and, <laughs> and, and what he was going after, it was, it, it was real. And I think that's something that we need to remember um, when, when we're going through whatever we're going through. Yes, God knows that we think it sucks. God realizes that it sucks. And it's okay to tell God, this sucks. You know, and I think people, I think people are so conditioned that there's a certain way that, you know, prayer has to be done. Um, even personal prayers, people have this conception of, you know, how it's supposed to be done. But when you're in the presence of God, you know, there in the Bible, it says, you know, to go boldly before the throne, you know, and it takes a, it, it takes a lot of guts to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. I feel abandoned. I feel like you've left me. I feel like. I feel like you're not listening. I feel like you can't hear me. Um, God, I'm, 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 I'm going through this and, and, and I can't do this. I can't see logically. I can't see a way out. And I think we need to step back and realize that we've got to be real and real is raw yep. you know it's it, it's just like in 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 our uh, in our marco group you know we've got we have built such a relationship with one another that we could pretty much tell one another pretty much anything that's going on in our lives when we fail um when we you know when we screw up and you know we've got that relationship built now, on the other hand, let's take, let's take a look at the relationship that all of us have in that macro group. What if we would view our relationship with God in the same way where we can just go be raw and real and vulnerable with the father? He's not just a father. He's daddy. And We've got to be able like to do that. Well, you, I think we still have to have this reverence. Like when we approach God, there's got to be a reverence. I, there. I, I agree with you when it's a daily communication prayer, but I don't think that necessarily pertains to prayers that contain instant pain. For example, we, I don't know if we, but I have had many examples 
where the spirit has drove me to my knees as I read a verse of scripture and he showed me where I had screwed up and how he had delivered it to me. And I was driven to my knees, tears pouring from my eyes and snot pouring. You know, I'm just, I'm a huge mess. And there is no reverence there. There is straight up, God, I'm so sorry. You know, just, I mean. Well, just, I didn't mean like how we talk. I meant we need to be careful, but I think too many times, I think too many people, a lot of American Christians only view God as a dad and not as someone who is going to instruct us, not someone who's going to uh, teach us, discipline us, right? That's But, but isn't that what dad does? Uh, some, <laughs> I mean... I mean, just, I, I mean, I mean, seriously, I see, I see what you're saying. But I, there's still a reverence. God is still God, and I think, like, uh, I, we need to have a conversation with Him, and we need to be able to approach Him as if He is our Father. But at the same time, it is understanding who we are talking to, even though it's a short, quick, "I screwed up, I need help." The reverence on who He is and what we know He can do when we go to Him. I think too many people don't believe that aspect of God and they only view him in a certain way and their spiritual life suffers because of it. I get that. That's why I always try to, you know, cause I believe I can't remember what the verse is, but it says we enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I always, when I start a prayer, a prayer that, like when I know that it's going to be an intercessory prayer and it's not an, you know, driven to type of prayer, I always start the prayer with thanking God because he's allowing me to come into the presence. And that, that's that type of reference, uh, reverence that you're talking about. Right. No, I see, I see that. And, you know, but like I, like I said earlier, it also says to go boldly. And you can do that in 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 a reverent way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like um, you walk up to the door, you just kick it in, and all right, God, I'm here. You know, we 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 guess we guess that very bold. Like Elisha was just like God strike them down dead. That was, <laughs> but he knew. His relationship, like when they kept trying to find Elisha and the kings kept sending men, and he's just like, "That's bold." Like, right? But but where where how? My question, and and this this is a dissenting opinion. My question would be, where is where is the the reverence in God? Strike him down. Um, you know, they're after me. Um, you know, strike, strike these people down. These, and, and these people that we're praying to have struck down are, you know, they're humans. They have a chance now to, to be reconciled to God. So, and Arthur, I, I, I see, I, I see you just, the you know, ready songs, to, man. David, David prayed them all the time in precatory Psalms. Well, the, it's, right. it's all about the relationship. It is. It's not because of what they're doing to me. It is because 
they are. It's what they're doing to you, God. What, to you, to God, correct. Yes. Well, you, you brought up Elijah and the three legions. The two came up and they were destroyed. <laughs> Why were they destroyed? They didn't come up and they didn't say anything different than the first one said. They right. just came up and they didn't have any reference or reference, reverence to Elisha. Right. As a prophet of God. They came up and said, and You're coming just, with us, the yeah, king says so. Boom. Boom. Done. The third one finally. The third like, one hey, comes hey, up and hey. face to the ground. Dear heavenly. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that was like Aaron's sons. They went in and they burned. Oh, get the word messed up. They went you, you, they, you talk, you're talking about the two that burned the, the illegal incense? Yeah. They didn't come in with the proper reverence. They paid that price. Unfortunately, in modern times we don't have that type of reverence because we don't see i mean it is hard for my mortal mind my modern mortal mind to wrap my head around how you could see all of the miracles that they did and still try to get away from it and yet we have the entire word of god that tells us this and we still try to slip stuff past God, knowing, I mean, we read it, we've seen, you know, if you look closely in on your life of the stuff that you have seen, you, you know, the, how God has impacted your life, and you still want to try and squirrel and negotiate and find loopholes, you know, so it's hard for me to understand, you know, because I'm sure everybody's had this conversation at least once. Man, if I was there during that time, like Peter denied Christ, if I was there, I wouldn't have done it. Uh-huh. That's true. Who would but, have said uh, we, we wouldn't have been like uh, the kings of Judah? They knew. They had all this history. Those that followed God's, you know, law. word, he saved. Those who brought in idols, God allowed them to be destroyed. But what did the majority of them do? They yeah, brought they, in idols. They, yeah. Yeah. You would think yeah. they knew. Man, my father got his kingdom. He got his butt kicked because he had all these idols. I'm going to bring in more idols. <laughs> right. Like Manasseh, whatever, who was like the worst ones. Like, oh, let me just. It didn't work out for my father, so I'm just going to make it worse. Let's go. Do it twice. Yeah. Twice as bad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but I mean, at the same time, we have people nowadays who are like, well, let's unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, about how, you know, the Old Testament pertained to the Jewish people only. And my question is, wait, wait, wait. In the New Testament, we're told repeatedly that they say, you know, about the word that they are teaching, the gospel that they are teaching, the scripture that is used for, you know, that is good for rebuke and reproof and for teaching and preaching and all that stuff that's not revelations because revelations was not written in that's you know true. that's not matthew mark luke john that they're referencing they're talking about everything old testament is the scriptures that they're referring to and then they add the gospel on top of that not yeah, we're just going to forget everything that relates to the Old Testament because that doesn't pertain to us. Right, because it's not like nowadays where like Matthew could have typed something up and had a blog and they're saying, hey, look, like 
you know, he just blogged this, so this is what. <laughs> yeah, they didn't use that type of, you know, yeah. So, you know, when they talk about the word is useful for preaching and teaching and rebuke and all that stuff, they're talking about the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Well, half of the, three quarters of the New Testament wasn't written when they were talking about that. So, of course, they were referring to, you know, the words of old. Um, I I understand that, but most modern Christians today, American Christians, do not understand that. When they think that the scripture, they, it, when you, when you bring up scripture to most American Christians, the response is going to be, "What's the important part?" You know, or not the important part, but define the scriptures. They're going to be like the Gospel of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. You know that that type of stuff. They're not going to bring up you know the first five books of the Bible. They're not going to bring up Numbers, Deuteronomy. They're not going How to bring up churches have gone years without even preaching from the Old Testament unless it's something like the, the Red Sea tithing. or tithing <laughs> or uh, the Ten Commandments, you know? Like, how many people don't touch the Old Testament? Well, and why, and why do they not touch the Old Testament? Because they don't understand it. Because it's gritty they don't. and it's R-rated. Oh, why. no. Oh, no. Rated R. We'll sit and watch a rated R movie, but we won't talk rated R about Scripture. Yep. Yeah, I, I never understood that mental disconnect. That some topics are taboo when it comes to the Word of God, and yet we'll go watch a movie with stuff that is worse and not think twice about it. And if, sometimes we'll bring kids along. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if we preached sex at church the way God intended it to it, and you use Song of Solomon's, and you yeah, use what yeah, is going on, yeah, maybe the divorce rate day. wouldn't be as high <laughs> in the Christian well, realm. The because the way we make sex, and the way it's like it's so taboo, no, you can't talk to the kids about sex. Well, someone's talking to them about sex. Salt and pepper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you if you surrender your parental to the world, don't be surprised when the world takes control of your children. Yeah. Yeah, yeah buddy. About that before. On a, yeah. I think the I think the toughest part about the Old Testament that people. Um, they don't understand it. I mean, you you look at the the Leviticus and you break down. I mean, I, I listened to like 14 hours of podcasts on Leviticus that I would have never in my life understood had I not listened to it. You know, the yep. different the different rings of the uh, um, the holy tent. You know, that you could only go this far, and then you had to put a chain on because if you did something wrong, at least you could fall out his body because he'd be dead. And, you know, all the, the different levels of everything you had to go through and all this and all that. And I think a lot of preachers are afraid, the American Christian preachers are afraid that that might scare somebody off or might make them think that it's a, it's a bad thing. But I mean, you, you need that reference in order to really understand the New Testament. Yes. You know, like if, if, Levitica, if the Levitic, Levitical law was in place today, I wouldn't have made 10 years old. You know, there's just, there's no way I would have done it. I mean, you well, think of just all the different things, you know, you had to do this. You couldn't have a spot on it. You had to use the blood here. You could do it there, but you couldn't hear um, this animal, not that animal, this bird, not that bird, burn it at this time, not at this time. You know, there's just, 
It was crazy. Well, you would have because you're not Jewish. So. Okay. okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that's what it is. It's just people look at it, you know, like like Abrahamic law or Abrahamic law, or they say it uh, when they talk about you know the different laws of the Old Testament and how it went about it. People are like, well, it's just such a uh, um, simplistic society, and it's all about killing and and um, it's you know, and then Jesus came and said, I don't come to um, erase the Old Testament. I come to fulfill. And on top of that, you're supposed to love everyone and everything. And then everyone heard, oh, Jesus said, love everybody. And then that's, that's where it ended. You know, they didn't remember that he came to fulfill the law and fulfill yep. the prophet. Good point, John. All right. Thank a good wrapping up point unless someone has anything this is a i like this we just bring it um all right adios my brothers adios. well let me pray us out and then, oh, uh, okay. yep lord at this time just want to just uh thank you for uh this podcast lord and thank you for what you've uh, uh allowed us to talk about uh hopefully lord we said that it just bless somebody and that someone is able to find peace and uh, find and be able to become uh, that presence for someone in their life. And all this, would you ask your name, Lord? Amen. Amen.